Hello. Welcome back to the What's Going On Up There podcast, a conversation between me and my mind. It's your friendly neighborhood Gretchen man, and I'm here with another podcast episode per usual. So that's quite exciting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back to the show. If you didn't come back to the show and this is just your first time regular, hi. Thank you so much for listening in. You should listen to the other shows or the other episodes because they're pretty great. So highly recommend. And anyway, this is my ep- this is my podcast. My name is Gretchen. I am not in fact Spider-Man, so don't let the intro fool you. I'm just Gretchen, or as far as you know, I'm not Spider-Man, but Spider-Man and I have never been seen in the same room together. So not to say that I'm not Spider-Man, but anyway, this is but yeah, okay. So this is my mental health focused podcast. And today's topic is, the title of today's episode is What's Going On With Loneliness and Mental Illness, a quite prominent theme throughout my mental health journey and I'm sure your mental health journeys or even just your human journeys. So I'm excited. We I've got a great episode for you today. And if you disagree, keep that to yourself. Anyway, Okay, time for the disclaimer. Disclaimer. This is a mental health focused podcast and some topics and experiences discussed may be triggering or upsetting for listeners. I always put the main topics discussed in each episode in the show description. Please check there for any potential triggers and of course make sure to protect your peace and skip parts of the episode or skip the episode altogether if it may upset you. Though I try to create a list of topics I think some might find triggering, the list may miss something, so make sure to err on the side of caution. Also, I am not a medical or mental health professional. I am just a person with lived experience who would like to share my journey and advice to help others feel less alone. If you are struggling with your mental health or are actively in crisis, I strongly urge you to reach out to a professional for help. The suicide hotline number in America is 988. Okay, let's do this. This this episode is going to air on the 21st of February, but surprise, it's actually February 16th. Ha, I threw you for a loop there, but you didn't see that one coming. Ooh, yeah, the last episode came out two days ago, but I'm going on a road trip next week, so I'm recording this on Friday, and it'll be up on Wednesdays per usual. So yeah, it doesn't really matter to you because for you, it's already the future. That's pretty cool. Okay, anyway, the first very important super awesome segment of this podcast is 100 Questions of Gretchen. Whoa, yeah, 100 Questions of Gretchen. This segment, for anyone who's new here, is, so I have a fishbowl with post-it notes with questions on them, and every episode I pick out two and I answer them so that you guys can learn something about me because I'm such a great topic to talk about, so let's do that. Okay. Okay, we've got a purple one and a yellow one today. The colors mean nothing, but I think it's fun to get two different colors. Okay, let's get the first one open. Okay, the first one says, ooh, what book has had a significant impact on your life? Ooh, this is a good one. I think I was a big reader as a kid. I did a lot of reading. And now I don't do so much reading anymore because it's definitely a lot more difficult for me to read these days. But when I do read, I like to read nonfiction books. I just feel like they're more, they're not, well, they can be more fun because you know that the fun that they're having in those books is real fun. Whereas fiction books, if they're having fun, that could be nonsense. But fiction books are also lovely. Big Harry Potter fan, big Percy Jackson fan. But I think the book that has had the most significant impact on my life. Ooh, I'm not sure. I have a favorite book. My favorite book is probably The Salt to the Sea. I love that book, but that's not, it hadn't had the most significant impact on my life. I'd have to say, I think the book that's had the most significant impact on my life is probably a memoir that I read during my first few weeks of college called Planet of the Blind by Stephen Cazisto. And it's his memoir. He's blind and he grew up trying to hide the fact that he was blind so he didn't get any um, like 
accessibility needs met until he was well into his like 30s or 40s. And it's such an interesting story to hear about his life and his journey. So I thought that that was that was a really good book. I don't know if it's had the most significant impact on my life, but well, I did like it. I thought it was a good book and it definitely made me more aware of the need for disability resources and and accessibility for people with differently abled bodies or without an able body. So I thought that was that was pretty good. It was a great book. Okay, next question. It's tough to open. Okay, next question says, do you play video games? <laughs> the way that I said that reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen the the meme or the clip. It's like an interview for, I think, the Hobbit movie. And the guy's like, do you wear wigs? The way that I said this, do you play video games, reminded me of that. No, I do not play video games. The, yeah, I don't play video games. I was never really a big video game person. I, in like 2017, 18, when Crossy Road was a big thing, I played Crossy Road. And of course, Geometry Dash, everyone played Geometry Dash and cool math games when there, whenever there was a sub in probably middle school. Yeah, we played a lot of cool math games. Cool math games, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a website that has super fun games and they're not math related. So don't let the name fool you. But I do not play video games. My most favorite game on my phone right now, it's not a game. It's my friend introduced me to this app called Letterbox, and it's an app where it like it's an app for movies and you can like check all the movies that you've seen. You can write reviews of movies. You can add movies to your watch list and then you can see what movies your friends have watched or what movies they want to watch. And my favorite game right now is to go through the list of movies that they have. They have like every movie. I like to go through every movie and add movies to my watch list or check off that I've watched movies. It's such a, it's such a sad, it's not a game. It's, it's just a sad way of passing time but okay long story short no i do not play video games (laughs) okay i hope you enjoyed the 100 questions of gretchen segment there are no longer 100 questions in the fishbowl i think we've had this is the third episode so we've lost six questions which would make it 94 questions left if my math is wrong keep that to yourself (laughs) Okay, so today's topic is loneliness and mental illness, and this is something that I'm currently struggling with a lot because if you didn't listen to the first episode, I think you should because it gives good background on who I am, but if you didn't listen to the first episode, where I'm at in my life is I'm currently, I'm 19 years old, I'm not in college, I had to leave my university to start eating disorder treatment, and I, so I'm very lonely. I am currently very lonely because I'm back in my hometown and all of my friends live on like opposite sides of the world. And I, I have, I have no one to hang out with because, because it's, it's just me. I will, I have my siblings to hang out with, but I don't have people my own age and my treatment is online. So I never leave my house. And well, I do. I go to salsa lessons on Mondays, but the people there are all like 60 years old, but that's fine. They're super sweet, but but that doesn't change the fact that I'm still very lonely because I don't see people my own age ever and my friends live so far away from me. <sighs> but anyway, big takeaway is that I'm currently in eating disorder treatment on a computer and so I am very lonely. And everyone struggles with loneliness. Sometimes loneliness is a part of the human experience, but just because it's a part of a human of the human experience doesn't mean that you need to be like super enthusiastic about being lonely or you don't have to you don't have to be lonely and be grateful for being lonely. I mean, you can if you want to, but it's okay to have something that's a necessary part of the human experience and still look at it as a crappy scenario because it is sometimes. And I personally, I am very lonely and it sucks and I wish that I was not lonely, but you know, it happens. These things happen and I'm not going to be lonely forever, I hope. But so yeah, loneliness, part of the human experience and everyone 
gets lonely. Whether you struggle with your mental health or not, loneliness is just something that you're going to have to deal with at some point of your life. If you're lucky, not most of your life. But for a lot of us, yes, a lot of our life. What's different about mental illness and loneliness is that with mental illness, it's it's a different type of loneliness. It's it's not just lonely because you can't make friends or you're not around people that you want to be around, but it's taking into account the isolation that your mental illness is having you do or it's taking into account that not everyone is comfortable being around people with mental illnesses and it's dealing with having to lose friends or family members due to that and it's taking into account that mental illnesses are illnesses that are primarily invisible because they're in your brain they're in your mind and say someone with a broken arm you can see that they have a broken arm but someone struggling with depression you might not be able to see that like written all over their person that they're struggling with depression like yes there are signs to look for but it's not always super obvious and that's definitely very isolating and very lonely mental illness i'll start with isolation mental illness can definitely make you isolate this is something that i've struggled with my like very very long not most of my life but a lot of my life with my different mental illnesses and I was struggling a lot with anxiety I was so scared that people wouldn't want to hang out with me or that they would blow me off for something else and to be fair that was a valid fear that I had because the people who I chose to be friends with in middle school did that all the time and so I I I did get pushed aside often and it was difficult to make real friends But once I was out of middle school, or really it was just like seventh grade, eighth grade, once I was out of that, I was still very afraid that I was going to be rejected. So instead of putting myself out there, my brain was telling me, no, people aren't going to like you. You're not a good friend. You're not lovable. Just don't even try. And that was really difficult for me, especially living in, so I had moved to the South for my eighth grade year and my freshman year of high school. And that was very difficult for me because I'm in a new area and it's difficult to make friends if your brain is telling you you're a horrible person to be friends with. And that's that's what mental illness does. It it plays you like a violin, like tries to do everything it can to make you feel like a loser or Actually, it depends on what mental illness you have, but I feel like a lot of the mental illnesses that I have definitely make me feel like a loser all the time, but it's fine. So with with my anxiety, that was the fear of rejection was big. Then with my depression, which I suffered with for a long while, it was very difficult for me to be motivated to hang out with friends. If you're suffering through a depressive episode, or if you've been suffering with depression for a long time, I know you can probably relate to this where some days it's just all that you can do is stay alive. And if that means that you don't get out of bed, but you're still alive, that's a win on the day. If it means that you haven't showered in three days, but you're still alive, that's a win. And it's difficult to find the motivation sometimes to hang out with people when all of your energy is just being sucked up or being taken up by trying to stay alive. And so that that was the biggest thing for me was how am I supposed to find a reason to hang out with my friends when I don't even want to be here on this planet anymore? And that's something that I've had to work through myself in therapy, trying to reassure myself that, no, like, I I deserve to be here. I deserve to be alive. I deserve to have people hang out with me. I deserve to have friends. And you deserve to have friends, too. If you haven't met your friends yet, I get it. I get you. But it's going to come eventually someday. And when it does you will be deserving of it. You're deserving of it now. Even if even if right now you're sitting at home and you've pushed all of your friends away and you're crying because you're so lonely, it's okay. I see you. I see how 
much you are hurting and I feel your pain and just know that it does get better. It It is going to get better and the road is long and the mountain is tall, but you're going to get there. You're going to get to the top. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do it. I believe you. On the opposite, so on the opposite side of my depression, I have bipolar too. And on the opposite side of my depression is my hypomania, hypomania. And hypomania is, for anyone who doesn't know, hypomania is not like there, okay, first, there's two different types of bipolar, bipolar one, bipolar two. I have bipolar two. And that means that I don't get manic, I get hypomanic. So hypomania is a period of time, either before or after the depression period of time, where it's marked by like super high energy, super like you're you're very productive, but productive doesn't always mean responsible. You are very like you you feel like you don't need as much sleep to function you focus on things that aren't super important or you just put your all into everything and you you might not always get the proper rest that you need you might not you might not do your responsibilities very well because you're so focused on doing something that's not very important at the moment but for me, when I was struggling with rapid cycling, rapid cycling is when you're, you switch from depression to hypomania multiple times throughout the day, throughout the week. And when I was struggling with that, it was very difficult for me to want to make plans with friends because I didn't want people to see me that way. I didn't want them to like, yeah, I didn't want them to get their hopes up when they saw me super energetic just to have me like an hour later become super depressed. And I didn't want to scare people with my rapid speech. I didn't want people to feel super worried when they saw that I hadn't been sleeping enough. It was very difficult for me to function like a it was very difficult for me to function like a regular human during these hypomanic episodes because, for one, I didn't know when it was going to stop. I didn't know when it was going to go back to depression, but also not just depression can be very isolating, but hypomania can be very isolating and you don't want to see others and it's difficult to make plans because there's so much uncertainty in your actions. And so for me, when I was mostly my senior year of high school, that would have been 2000, fall of 2022 to spring slash summer of 2023. And I found it really difficult to make plans with friends because I couldn't find the motivation to do anything like I couldn't find the motivation to do school I couldn't find the motivation to like stay alive basically so it was very difficult for me to find the motivation to hang out with friends it was difficult for me to get up the courage to text friends when I hadn't texted them in so long and being such a high achiever perfectionist it was really difficult for me to text my friends or hang out with my friends because I didn't want them to see me as anything other than like the perfect high achiever student. And that, that was really difficult for me the end of April when I went to residential treatment for a month. It was difficult for me to text my friends and tell them that they wouldn't be able to reach me for a while because I was in residential. It was difficult for me to let my guard down and let people see me, let people see that I was struggling with my mental health. And it still is sometimes difficult for me to talk outright to people and tell them that I'm struggling. But obviously now I have a podcast, so strangers on the internet are listening to me talk about how I'm struggling with my mental health. But 
in a way, it's almost easier this way because I don't have to look you guys in the face and see your reactions. So moving on to the next chapter of my life, which was the fall of 2023, the start of my, or like the big push that my eating disorder gave. And eating disorders, for one thing, make it very easy to feel lonely because they thrive in secrecy. So not only is your brain like wanting you to isolate, but it also wants you to like hide your eating patterns or your eating behaviors, or it wants you to be alone for a lot of the time because it it doesn't want other people to know. It likes to be hidden. And that's that was very true for me. Like I didn't want people to know that I was struggling. I I actually I don't know how good of a how good I hid my eating disorder, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I would have to well, I'm not going to ask the people that I was friends with. That would be kind of weird. Can you imagine me just like, "Did you know I had an eating disorder? Tell me, tell me the signs that you saw." No, that's weird. So, I guess I'll never know if I hid it well, but well, I guess obviously I didn't hide it very well because my parents drove down to get me and they had only seen me on FaceTime. So I didn't probably didn't hide it that great. But in my mind, I was hiding it really well. And I was definitely isolating myself a lot. And even though I was hanging out with people, instead of hanging out with them at a normal time, or like all a lot of my a lot of the opportunities that I had to hang out with people were, hey, do you want to go get dinner at the dining hall? Hey, do you want to go get lunch at the dining hall? Do you want to like go grab a snack and since so many things were focused around food because when you're studying and you're in school full time you don't always have the time to do something outside of your schoolwork in the weekdays and so the meal times are like the only times if they line up with your friends then it's a good time to hang out but since i was struggling with my eating i didn't want people to I didn't want to have a meal with people because I didn't want to have a meal or I didn't want to have a meal with people because I wasn't comfortable going to the dining halls. I was afraid to go to the dining halls or I was afraid to have people see me eat or I was afraid that they were going to judge me for what I was eating. So I didn't, I did, I just didn't. And since since eating is such a social thing that really limited my social interactions and I found myself pretty lonely. I was surrounded by people at lots of times, but I was also feeling very alone in myself because of my actions. My actions isolated me even when there were times for me to be around people. Like I've talked about my so I have a scholarship at my university and we took trips to, we went to West Virginia and we went to Washington, D.C. And our trip to Washington, D.C., we got a lot of time to just walk around and do whatever one of the days. And I I had the opportunity to hang out with these super cool people and like go to lunch with them. I think a whole group of them went to Chinatown and they got sushi and I personally don't like sushi and I probably couldn't have eaten there because I don't think it would have been gluten-free, but that would have been so much fun to go and do with them. But I was, I didn't want people to see me around food. I didn't want to eat around people. And so instead of hanging out with people in like the hotel or playing uno with them like i decided to just stay in my room and distract myself by doing my homework all the time and that was a major theme for my entire first semester the first half of my first semester when i was at, still at college was i would distract myself with my work and i would throw myself into my work in order to isolate myself but by isolating myself i found myself really lonely so it's like a double-edged sword however i will say I'm, I miss being back at school because I, even though I had like my eating disorder was really bad and I wouldn't have been able to go on like that for much longer. I miss being 
having the independence that I did when I was there. And I miss being able to just walk outside my door and see like 10 people my own age or have the opportunity to just talk to someone my own age, even if I didn't know them. And I do, I do miss the socialization aspect that I had when I was at school, especially since now I'm back in my hometown and I don't know anyone my age because everyone left for college, but it's fine. Okay, moving on to the next thing I wanted to talk about is friendships. So loneliness and friendships are kind of contradicting because, or contradicting because you think like, oh, friendships, you have friends. That's fine. You're not lonely. But when I want to talk about with mental health and with struggling with mental illness, some, it can be difficult to definitely keep some of those friendships and for me, it was it was difficult because the people that I had known when I was in high school, the people that I had known in high school, the the friendship wasn't strong enough to withstand my mental health struggles. So the people that I knew, I found that once I got out of residential treatment, we weren't really friends anymore and I only kept I only kept a few people from my high school as really close friends. And that's something that really sucks about mental illness is how you can lose friendships and you're already feeling isolated and you're feeling lonely, but to lose a friend because they don't understand what you're going through or to have someone come up to you and you tell them, this happened to me, there was like I don't know if it was a banquet. It, there was something, some sort of event, and we all got our yearbooks. And it was at the end of my high school experience. We were getting our yearbooks. And for anyone who lives in America, you know, like you get your yearbook and you have everyone sign it, or at least that's that's how it was in elementary school. And then also at this at this banquet thing. And I hadn't seen a lot of people since I had been out of school for most of the year and I had been in residential for the last months of school and so I I didn't I hadn't seen people and they would come up to me and they would be like oh my gosh like are you okay haven't seen you in so long and there was this one girl and we had been friends because we were in the same class and she came up to me the last time I had seen her when I was at school I had a broken ankle and she came up to me and she said, oh my gosh, like, how's your ankle? I haven't seen you in forever. Like, are you okay? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, my ankle's fine. I I just, I was struggling with my mental health. And so I had to do a month of residential treatment, but I'm doing much better now. And she, she said, oh, well, I'm so glad that your ankle is all better. <laughs> and then she walked away and I, I don't think I've spoken to her since, but that's I thought it was just really funny because some people just don't feel comfortable talking about mental illness or they don't feel comfortable hearing experiences or being exposed to the the struggles of mental illness and that can make it really painful when you think you know someone and then you end up losing their friendship or just losing like an acquaintance even just someone to talk to and I thought that, yeah, that little story, I just thought it was funny. And something else that will might happen when you're struggling with your mental health or definitely happened for me when I was struggling really badly with my depression, and especially right now when I'm in eating disorder treatment, is that friends move on with their lives. Like, Life doesn't stop just because you have to take a pause and work on your mental health. Life life keeps going and like my friends that I've been talking about like they are at college, they're at university and they're studying and they have their own lives and I'm I'm still here in my my childhood home working on my mental health and that's something that can be so frustrating with feeling lonely but you're lonely because you know that you're not able to do as much as other people are you don't have the same 
you don't have the same abilities as someone else or your mental capacity doesn't have enough space for a job, doesn't have enough space for school. It only has enough space to work on keeping you alive and keeping your mental health good. And that's something for me that I, it makes me really angry sometimes when I think about it. I get really jealous. I get really sad that I get frustrated that all these people that I know are moving on with their lives and they're doing all these amazing things. Like one of my friends, she's doing, I think, like a research study, like an actual research study about bears in Canada. Like that's so cool. I wish that I was able to do something important like that. But at the same time, like I have my podcast and I have, I'm working on my mental health and I know that that is important, but to have a, for lack of a better word, it's like no physical support system is difficult. And I have a virtual support system and I have my therapist, I have my psychiatrist, my doctors, but I don't have physical friends to hang out with. And the friends that I do have are great, but I can see them moving on with their lives, moving forward when I'm still stuck back here. Like that, like the Taylor Swift song, right where you left me. Like I'm, I'm still stuck in the past when everyone else is moving forward with their life. And it's difficult. It's really difficult because there's not much I can do about it. I just have to wait it out and keep doing the work every day, putting in the work, putting the work into myself and doing the most that I can to help myself and then hope for the best and hope that it sticks and hope that by in a few months or by next fall, I'll be able to go to college and I'll be able to have all these experiences that everyone else is having. But for now, in the moment, it sucks. And that's okay to say. It, you don't have to be super positive all the time. You don't have to always be looking for the best. Like, yes, it is good to be grateful for things. And it's good to not always be searching for the worst in life. But it's okay to just take a seat, take a few deep breaths, have a good cry, and think to yourself, this is not fair. It sucks. I wish it's not fair. I wish that I didn't have to deal with this. I see other people don't have to go through this. Why was I chose? Why was this happening to me? And think about, you can think all those things and you can be really frustrated about it, but you can't hold on to that anger forever. And that's something that I've been working on is you can't it's okay to be frustrated about it and it's okay to wish things were different. But if you get stuck in that thinking, thinking like, I, I'm so upset. I have, I'm so lonely. I wish that, but this never happened to me. You're going to find yourself stuck. And if you're stuck in thinking that way, there's no way to move forward. You have to be able to let go of the pain that you're feeling in order to move forward without it. <sighs> However, like I was saying before, it's so it's okay that you're feeling this way. But when this has been happening for so long, and like for me, I've been struggling with my mental health for years now, and I've been feeling lonely for years now. And when you get that, when you're lonely for so long, and you are having these thoughts of anger and resentment that this is happening to you, it can be really easy for your mental illness, or at least really easy for my mental illness to prey on that and make me feel like I want to be alone or that I should be alone. And it's easy for my brain when I'm been when I've been alone for so long, it's easy for my brain to forget how nice it is to hang out with friends. And so if my friends come home for I don't know, say there's like a break coming up. And if my friend were to come home, like, yes, I'm saying all these things about how lonely I am, but it can also be difficult for me to make plans because I forget how nice it is to have friends. And, but 
once I do hang out with my friends, and then if they were to leave again, then I would feel lonely. And it's kind of this cycle that can only be broken by looking to the future and knowing that this is temporary. While I may feel really lonely now, and I may feel like I don't deserve to have friends because of my struggles with my mental health, or I feel, may I feel like, like no one really cares, which I know is not true because I, my, I know that my friends do care. But in the past, I've felt like no one really cares. And I would purposefully not reach out to people because, like I mentioned, it's easier to want to be alone and it's easy to forget how nice it is to not be alone. So in the past, really when I was struggling with my depression, I would purposefully not reach out to people because I didn't want to feel better, but I didn't, I felt like, like no one would care if I reached out and that was a lot fed by my suicidality because I felt like like the more that I felt like no one cared or the more that I felt like I don't deserve to be here, the more I would not reach out to people. However, when I say I would when I was struggling with depression, I would go to school some days or I would be in my my clubs. That's a good example. I was the president of four clubs my senior year and I loved my clubs. I loved being at my clubs, but even though I was surrounded by people who loved doing the same things that I loved to do, I felt really alone because I felt like no one truly understood what I was going through, which is my fault because I didn't tell them, but I felt like no one would care. And it was really difficult for me because my brain was playing these tricks on me and because I couldn't see past it. Another thing that I really struggled with during that major depression time was I would, people would text me and I wouldn't text the people who would care about me, but I would text people who I had like a superficial relationship with and that I knew they wouldn't ask too many questions about how I was feeling or they wouldn't ask the deep questions. And for me, instead of wanting to talk to my real friends and tell them really what was going on, I would text people who didn't really know me and I didn't really know them because I didn't want to have to deal with all of that I didn't want to have to deal with the care and compassion that would come with having friends text me. And that was something really difficult for me was texting was if I had like people that I didn't really know I joined when when I committed to my university I joined they had like not the school Snapchat page, but they had like a group of people that I was friends with on, I found them through Instagram. Like there was, I don't know if any of you are in college and you, your school had this, but it was like a, like an introduction Instagram page where you can post that you're committed to the school and that like your interests and then you can find friends. So I, I did that. And, and I was added to a Snapchat group with these, these quote friends, but I had never met them. I didn't know anything about them. And some of them turned out to be really lovely people. And I met them when I actually went to the university and they were cool. But a lot of them, I had, like, I didn't know them. I would have, I never have met them. I am no longer in that group. But the point that I'm trying to get at is I was too busy building superficial relationships to keep up this image that I was completely fine while neglecting the important relationships in my life in fear that people would in fear that people would care about me when my brain was telling me the whole time that people didn't care i was afraid that i was afraid to accept that my brain had been lying to me since i was so badly in the depression and since i was dealing with so many suicidal thoughts that if i i felt like if i knew that my brain was lying to me then my whole struggle would have been for nothing and that definitely caused me to be really lonely and loneliness and suicidality don't really they definitely go together but in a bad way 
but yeah, it's, it's fine though. I'm, I'm good now. As far as you know, no, I am. I am. I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I am good though. I am good though. So that was my, mostly my depression. And I, so I was pushing all these people away and building these superficial relationships. But once I got out of residential, I knew the people who I really needed to be friends with. I knew how to keep myself from getting lonely was to take time to build these important relationships that I now have with my three really close friends. However, when I went off to university, I had to build new friendships because my friends were going to different schools than me and I had to like repeat making friends all over again. And something that helped me a little bit with this was, like I mentioned, I have a scholarship and there was a group of like, maybe like 15, 16 of us, I don't really remember, and we were all in the same scholarship group together and we had this scholarship class once a week and we would go on trips together and we were like all in the honors college a lot of us lived in the same dorm building and so I was automatically like funneled into this group and I wanted to feel like I was a part of this group but I didn't want to let people in the group know me. And so I felt really lonely because I didn't want to mess up the group dynamic by letting people know the real me. I didn't want people to, I didn't tell anyone about my struggles with mental illness. I didn't tell anyone that I was struggling with an eating disorder until the very last days. And then I, I told a few people, but building up to it, building up the first two months, I didn't let anyone know anything super deep about me because I wanted people to view me as just someone normal. I wanted not to say that anyone with mental illness is not normal. Mental illness is incredibly common, but I wanted to be seen as like like a cartoon character, like someone who has no problems in her life. She's just like a super smart honors college scholarship like university person and her biggest fear is like getting an f on a test that's the kind of image that i wanted to protect but that's obviously not the truth as you all know from listening to the podcast and i don't know if anyone from that group listens to the podcast but if you do shout out and thanks for listening but i'm pretty sure they don't but anyway i was feeling really alone and i was feeling really lonely because i was hiding myself from so many people i only told like my one friend and my roommate about my struggles with mental illness because i trusted them and other people i didn't really know for that long and i wasn't sure how they would take the information what i was really afraid of was that they would take the information and then not want to be friends with me anymore and now realizing Saying that out loud makes me realize if someone is not going to be friends with you because you are struggling with your mental health, that makes them a bad friend and you shouldn't be friends with someone who doesn't care about your well-being. So now I can, now that I'm saying it out loud, I can understand that I, like I shouldn't be friends with people who are rude to me and no one, no one really was like that, but I know now, like in the future, I'm, I'm prepped got it in my brain. But it was it was very difficult for me to navigate and I wish I had a happy ending to share with you guys, but I don't because I had to leave the university halfway through the semester and at my home now and I'm still very lonely and there's not much to be done other than just keep working on my mental health. But I do have some tips for getting through this loneliness as best you can. And yeah, so I just want to give you guys some tips for getting through mental illness and loneliness as best you can. Because even though my journey is far from over, there are some things that I've learned. Starting with, if you have no friends, I completely get that. That was me for a very long time. I had absolutely no friends. However, if you have no friends, that's, I get it, you know, it's fine. Having friends is great, but having no friends makes you really aware of what kind of person you want to be. And so that's, it can, yeah, okay, I don't even know. It sucks. Honestly, it sucks, but you'll get there. And some things that you can do to find friends or to keep 
keep the loneliness at bay is find an activity locally with your interests. For me, I am a very lonely person because I am in my hometown and my hometown kind of sucks and I'm all alone. But I found, like I said earlier, the salsa lessons, which are pretty fun. And it's only one night a week, 45 minutes. But the people there, at least I get to talk to people. They may be super old, but at least I get to talk to them. So if you can find an activity locally with your interests, that would be great that can help you at least have some people to talk to. Even if you're not going to be friends with them, just socializing for like 30 minutes minimum will be super helpful. If possible, maybe you could find a job doing something that you love. And if you are like me and you're just working on your mental health right now, you're just chilling about life. Maybe you're in school so you don't have time for like a super cool job or like super like a real job, but you could find some volunteering to do. You could find just like a like a like pick up a few shifts at a place that you think would be cool to work at and even if the people that you meet there are not going to be your besties forever, it can be nice to just have some people to talk to. But moving on. So that's if you have no friends. If you do have friends, good for you. Having friends is great. Personally, I have a few friends and I love it. Text your friends every day. I have not texted my friends every day, but I'm working on it. I'm working to text my friends every day because I know that getting just, even if it's just one text from them will make my day so much better. Something important to remember though, when texting your friends is if your friends don't respond right away, understand that it is not a direct reflection on you. Like they might have something else going on in their life. They may be sleeping. They may be taking a test. They may have seen your text, responded to it in their head, and then not responded to it in actual text. I have done that so many times. I've opened up a text, looked at it, responded to it in my head, and then never actually sent the text or I'll open the text, I'll text out the message and then never hit send. There are so many different like there's so many different possibilities for why a friend hasn't texted you back immediately. You should not just jump to saying, "Oh, they hate me. They my friends hate me. I have no friends. They don't care about me." Like no. Think logically for a moment. They might have something else going on. If you have a device that allows you to FaceTime, FaceTime could be great. Or I don't know if people use Zoom to talk to friends, but Zoom could be cool. Or just regular calling is great to just call your friend up. And even if you just talk for like 15 minutes, that's still pretty cool. And that's still pretty great. If you're in the same location as your friends, schedule a weekly hangout or a weekly meetup. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be multiple times a week, but just scheduling something for like once a week to hang out and just catch up on life, that could be nice. And if you're feeling down, the most important advice that I can give is to let your friends know what's going on. And if you have an activity planned with your friends and you're just really feeling down, maybe you're feeling super depressed and you don't really want to do anything, let your friends know how you're feeling and maybe they will just come over and like lie in bed with you and you guys can watch a movie or maybe you guys can just sit on the floor and talk or Maybe I know when my friends were home for Christmas, I was having a really hard time eating and I would have to cancel one of my, I would have to cancel hanging out with one of my friends often because I would always schedule it for after lunch. But if I didn't eat my lunch, then my mom would say, oh, well, you can't hang out until you eat your lunch. And then our times would always not meet up. So I learned you know, maybe I shouldn't hang out after lunch. Maybe we should have a different time to hang out. And that definitely helped. But if you're, so if you're having a bad day, just let your friends know what's going on and you can definitely try and change the activity. It doesn't always have to be going out and doing something super exciting. Like sitting at home and just talking is pretty cool. That's what I like to do with my friends. But yeah, so those are some tips that I have and I hope that you can get something out of this. Um, Now 
I want to switch in these last few minutes to closing mindfulness. So we were just talking a lot about feeling lonely and that can bring up a lot of big emotions, a lot of overwhelm, a lot of sadness. And I just want to combat that. Let's just take a few deep breaths together. Just Okay, the first thing that I want you to consider is what made you smile today? Now, when you think about what made you smile today, don't judge whatever comes up first to your mind. Just think about what made you smile and let it go. What made me smile today was I was eating lunch with my sister and we were watching Bluey. If anyone hasn't watched Bluey, the children's show about the Australian dog. It's such a great show. You can get it on Disney Plus. I love it so much. And I was watching it with my sister and she is sick right now. And it made me smile to spend time with her and watch a show that we both really like. And it may be for children, but I swear it's like the best show I've ever seen. So don't knock it till you've tried it. Okay, next I want you to think about what made you sad today. Now, when considering what made you sad, don't ruminate on whatever comes up. Just think about what made you sad and then let it go. For me, what made me sad today is today was a hair wash day and I have very curly hair, so washing my hair is always a process. And today I decided I was going to straighten my hair, but it turned out super puffy and not very silky smooth like I wanted it. And that made me sad. And lastly, what made you hopeful today? What made you hopeful for the future? What gives you hope for life? What made you hopeful today? For me, what made me hopeful today was I went to the grocery store with my mom and we were just walking around the grocery store and I remembered that when I first came home from university, I was in such a bad place that I was terrified of even entering the grocery store. So it gave me a lot of hope to just realize that I was just standing in the grocery store with my mom, not even thinking anything of it. That made me hopeful. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, whatever day you might be listening to it in the future on. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next week, which technically for you all will be Well, for me, it'll be two weeks, but for you all, it'll be next week. So thanks for listening. Bye.